0: This is Terrio Media.
1: Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt.
0: Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terriot from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate using more of their mind than their money, using creative real estate investing strategies with an emphasis on retiring early. And if this is your first time here, glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for continuing to share this with your friends and family. Would not be here if it were not for you doing that going on 12 years. So thank you. You're the absolute best for doing that. Alrighty. So in today's show, I'm going to share with you some creative ways to use the words payments and some creative ways to use the word amortization for all for the purpose of your seller finance deals. And then I've got the news, of course, and also another week, uh, this week in crypto. And today's sponsor of the show, REI Blackbook, is everything you need to run your real estate investing business all in one place. Convert more of your leads into deals and build a predictable sales system with the only all-in-one marketing and sales toolkit built for investors like you. Get 14 days free access, plus their automated follow-up machine, absolutely free at epicblackbook.com epicblackbook.com. All righty. So the market is still on fire. Lots of demand, very little inventory, yet the eviction moratorium and both federal mortgage forbearance programs end here at the end of the month. And as I'm recording this, there was just a little pop-up notification. I haven't read it yet, but I think uh, that stuff is going to be extended till the end of July. And... uh I think that's what it just said. And that actually came up right as I'm recording this, but we're not going to start over. But uh, look that up. I'm sure you could Google it. I'm sure everyone will be talking about it in a few minutes. And uh, anyway, I've been on the record the last several months after my very initial assessment of saying this is going to create a bunch of opportunity in the market for real estate investors. You know, um, that was what I thought initially. It's what everyone thought initially. But I did change my tune about three months into lockdown saying, uh, likely not, right? Might be less opportunity out there. I don't know. But it's my prediction that after the the biggest 111 months of consecutive year-over-year price gains for housing with 24% from just last May to May of 2021 and the fifth straight month of where monthly sales have actually dropped due to there's nothing to buy, So if the eviction moratorium and forbearance expirations cause more houses to hit the market, it seems there's plenty of demand on the sidelines just waiting to gobble all of those up. That's kind of why I think there's not going to be a big giant adjustment. Maybe there will be for for a moment. I'm not sure. But I don't think there's going to be a crash by any means. I really just don't. But I was listening to the Rebel Capitalist Show. It's a podcast. I listened to that last week of where uh, Rich Dad advisor, Ken McElroy, was a guest on the show. And he's under the impression there'll be enough housing to hit the market to at least slow the appreciation down a bit and likely cause some opportunities for investors. So we both essentially agree on the market conditions, but have a little different opinions on what the outcome is going to be. He's a little bit more focused on the commercial market. I think I'm a little bit more uh, residential focused. But uh, we'll see. I actually hope Ken is right. I hope it does create some more opportunity as much as I'd like to see more opportunity for myself. And, you know, I think there's bigger implications both politically and, and socially if prices maintain this blistering pace that they're on. Nonetheless, there are plenty of deals available if you're looking in the right places. When we're talking about market conditions, we're really talking about the retail market. But us as real estate investors, we play in the wholesale market. You know, speaking of, of which, big shout out to new REI Ace client, Gabe Stockton out of San Diego, California. He's one of the, uh, uh in one of the um upper echelons of challenging markets in the country. Southern California is a challenge. And then you go to something like San Diego. It's tough down there, but he's had his third deal under contract in as little as three months. And, you know, just like I always say, if there are houses in your market and people live in them uh, there are deals to be had. The grass is not greener on the other side. You know, while you're eyeing someone else's lawn, someone else is eyeing yours. And we've talked about that over the years. And even had exact examples of that happen within just my own clientele. And uh, anyway, just graduated a brand new class of REI ACE investors last week with a bunch of optimistic, enthusiastic rock stars. No doubt I'll be sharing their success stories here over the next few months. And if you'd like to take a look at the REI ACE program, all I need is for you just to answer a few questions, a few short questions about yourself and your real estate investing ambitions. What are your goals? And uh, we can jump on a quick call to brainstorm some ideas and, and just check for a fit. And if there's not a fit, you know, we'll gladly point you into a direction that might be better suited for you. And if there is a fit, however, in the REI ACE program, We'll go ahead and we'll let you know what's involved in getting started. We'll put the ball in your court and then you make the decision. It's as simple as that. All right. So if you like the sound of that, go to reiace.com. All right. Some of the places of emphasis inside the REA program is creative financing, seller financing, raising private money. And then one of my favorite, it's become one of my favorite, uh, aspects of real estate over the last few years is the deal after the deal to maximize profits and of, and, you know, in much of those areas, they all revolve around the creative use of the various real estate and financing terms we have available to us. So today, you're going to learn five creative ways to use the word payments and three creative ways to use the word amortization in your seller finance deals so you can buy more property using less money. And uh, so to begin, seller financing is a loan provided by the seller of a property to the buyer. And this is no different than if you were to get financing from a bank to buy a property. But instead of making payments to a bank, you make those payments to the seller. And when it comes to making payments to the seller, there are different types of payments that you can make. And as long as the seller agrees, anything goes. You just have to ask for it. I mean, if you try something like this with a bank, I mean, you're going to get a big giant palm in the face Not to mention, uh, you're going to need a great credit score and you're likely going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops before you get approved. If you get approved, you know, as much as, as great as the demand is, as great as the rates are right now, uh, their guidelines are still fairly strict. So when asking sellers to carry back the financing instead, you typically get to avoid all of the headaches that accompany working with a bank. And uh, you're always approved if you do it right. And when you start asking sellers for financing I mean, you're going to be pretty surprised with the loan terms that they're going to agree to, of which when you get more say over the terms, you're going to build your cash flowing portfolio just that much easier and faster. All so let's dive in. First, um, there's the down payment, the amount of money that you give to the seller at the closing. And naturally, you, you want to always offer the seller as little as possible up front. But if the seller insists on more, especially more than you may have access to at the moment, you can offer to split up the down payment, like some of it at closing and then some more in three months. And if necessary, maybe the rest in 12 months. And you can split it up however you like. And if you really like the property, this is going to give you time to find the full down payment that the seller wants. And so with that said, it's also, it's not, it's not uncommon to buy properties with zero down. So you don't have to put the down payment, but you just, uh, you have options in how that down payment is paid. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can get zero down as well as long as you just find the right motivation and you ask for it, okay? Second is deferred payment. So what this is, this is a postponed payment. And you typically want to ask for this if say the, uh, the property needs some significant repairs, you can ask for a deferral of the monthly payments until say the work is complete and you've got a tenant in place. You know, sometimes you may buy a property where there's a bad tenant in place and the seller doesn't want to deal with it before the sale closes. So you can ask for a deferral of the monthly payments until the tenant is out and a new one is in place. That's, uh, that's very fair. During the pandemic, you know, I got many sellers to agree to deferred payments until the eviction moratorium ended. And so uh, I know I'm gonna have to start making payments here at the end of this month. And if that little uh, pop-up one thing that came up on my window is accurate, then it yeah, just bought me another month. So it's contingent on an outside event. And, uh, you know, that what that did is that resulted in more than a year's worth of free cash flow on multiple properties that I purchased during COVID. All that to say, if there's a justifiable reason that's out of your control as to why you won't be making any money on the property the day that you take ownership, go ahead and ask for a deferral on those monthly payments. It can really help. And um, speaking of help, if, if you've never done this before, you're likely going to need some the first time or two. So, I created some cheat sheets for my ARIA ACE clients. And if you'd like, you can grab them for free at epicbreakthrough.com. It's a quick and easy download. I'll even show you how to use them after inside epicbreakthrough.com. All right. The third type of payment interest only payments. So, this is when the monthly payments you make to the seller only cover the interest of the loan. So, nothing from your payments is applied to the principal. And so the loan balance is just going to maintain, it's going to stay the same. And you would typically ask for this if either one, the cash flow position is really tight. And so you need some extra spread between the rent and the mortgage. Or two, you know, sometimes if you're buying a property that you don't intend to keep very long, you know, interest only payments can make your carrying costs a little bit more manageable. So the fourth type of payment, principal only payments. So this is when your monthly payments are applied 100% to the principle of the seller's loan of the balance. And this is probably my favorite type of payment and likely to become yours too, as you're able to build equity really fast, of which in two to three years, you're typically primed to refinance the property with all of the equity that you've built up. You can pull out a bunch of cash with zero tax implications, and then you're ready to put it into the next property. Or, you know, just go out and have some fun with it if you want. Uh, one of my private ARIA Ace clients, Corey, uh, he's done this exact thing probably more than a 100 times, of which paid for his own custom house on a lake that he built and lives in a second house for his parents. And of course, it wouldn't be complete if, it, if he didn't go out and buy a Lambo as well. Yeah, he did all of that. And it was all from doing principal-only payments, waiting a couple years, then refining the capital out, that had zero tax implications because it's a loan. It's not income. It's a loan. The IRS does not tax loans. So we pulled all that money out. He still owns the properties. And then he was able to buy his own house and his parents a house. And he got a fancy card to go with it. All right. So fifth, balloon payments. So this is typically a final payment, but not always final. That is much larger than any earlier payment made to the seller. So balloon payments, they come in handy when you need a low monthly payment to cash flow your property. But the uh, the seller doesn't want to wait 30 years to get paid. So you can request a low monthly payment as if it were a 30-year loan, but you pay off the seller in half the time with say a balloon payment or maybe in 10 years or in five years, whatever you negotiate. I mean, if you really like the property, even a, a two or three-year balloon payment can be just what you need to put the deal together and buy yourself some time to find more permanent financing, Ready? So now you know five creative ways to how to use the word payment when putting together a seller finance deal. Alrighty, so let's get into three creative ways to use the word amortization, and we'll do that right after this. Alert! Alert! Real estate investors, listen
1: carefully. A closely guarded secret reveals that closely guarded secrets aren't really that closely guarded. (laughs) Seriously. Go to FindMotivatedSellersASAP.com to get the inside scoop on how the nation's most successful real estate investors really find their deeply discounted properties. Go to FindMotivatedSellersASAP.com. Deeper discounts, less secrets. FindMotivatedSellersASAP.com.
0: So over the years, I've added more than 300 properties to my cash flowing portfolio by avoiding banks altogether. I mean, I never needed to show my credit score or fill out an application. And, you know, if you like the sound of that, you can do it too and and potentially escape the daily grind quicker than you might have thought and even retire early if you want. I mean, anyone can do this. Anyone can do what I'm talking about, but just most people won't. And there lies your opportunity. You know, as long as you've got the basics down, you can do it. And we're going over some of these basics today and we'll continue to do so over the coming episodes. So just make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss anything, okay? Um, We're still talking seller financing. And when you make your payments to the seller, you can have a lot to say about the details and how the principal of the loan is paid off. And this is really important because It will allow you to better plan and manage your equity position and even get more equity and faster equity so you can maximize the profits of whatever your desired exit strategy may be. So these payoff details are laid out in what's called an amortization schedule. That's the paying down of the loan. So a conventional bank knows only one way to do it. And that's the first way that we're going to go over. So that's first one is declining balance amortization. So this is an accelerated method of amortization where the periodic interest of your payment declines, but the principal repayment increases with the age of the loan. You know, for a simple example, is say if you purchased a $100,000 property, you put 20% down and then you say you borrow the rest at 4%. Your monthly payment to the seller is going to be about $500, about $477 to be exact. So of that first payment, the majority of that payment is going to be applied to the interest and the, the very small amount is going to be applied to the principal. Now, as time goes on, each subsequent payment pays less to interest and more to the principal, and the principal owed slowly declines in that uh, in on the amortization schedule. So, but what's really actually happening is that as the loan balance declines, it leads to a lower interest charge. Thus, the longer the loan is in place, the repayment of the principal accelerates. So this is the traditional amortization schedule a bank will abide by. And and it really benefits the lender, especially in the short term, as they get the majority of their interest upfront. And you don't really get to start paying down that loan, the majority of that principal until the back end, the last half of the loan. So with your seller finance, financing deals, when your closing agent draws up your seller finance loan documents, they will almost assuredly default to this declining balance amortization schedule unless you request otherwise. And that brings us to the second type of amortization of which is more fair to you, the buyer. And that is straight line amortization. And this is also known as linear amortization where the total interest amount is distributed more equally over the life of a loan. So rather than a grossly disproportionate amount of the interest being paid up front, and the balance being paid at the end, the allocation of the two is essentially constant. There's a slight little slant to that. So it's not exact, but um, this method is just, it's more favorable to you as the buyer in the short term. It's just as you're able to pay down more of the principal and create more equity in the early years of the loan, of which will give you some more options should you need to sell the property, say before you had intended to, or maybe you want to uh, refinance that into a better loan and you're just going to have a, a bigger equity position to do that. So you'll have more options then. So now when your closing agent draws up your seller finance loan documents, at the very least, you want to request straight line amortization. And when it comes time to sell or refinance, you're going you're to find there to be just a bigger payday for you due to the extra principal that has been paid down in this method. You're just going to have so much more equity to deal with. Um by the way, if, if you're losing track of these terms and their usage, uh, you can go and you can grab a complete set of the cheat sheets that I give to my REI East clients. And I'll show you more how to use them when you do download those. And you can get those at epicbreakthrough.com again, epicbreakthrough.com. Now, the third type of amortization that almost no one ever talks about is negative amortization. This was a big type of loan back in 2004, 2005, 2006, when they were just giving loans away. And they were using negative amortization loans as a means to get people into houses they essentially couldn't afford. So they negatively amortized them. So the loan balance got bigger and bigger just to keep the payment low. And the whole idea was that prices were never going to stop going up. So the appreciation was moving faster than the interest rate was building on that balance. Okay, so this is when the total payment of a period is lower than the interest charged for that period it means that there is nothing left from the periodic payment to repay the principal. And the remaining interest charge will accumulate to increase the outstanding balance of the loan. So the balance gets bigger. The loan balance increases over time and will be just repaid at maturity. And so at maturity date, whenever that would be, it could be at the end of the loan or it could be at, um, you know, when you go to, to resell the property, that's when that would be paid off. And the whole idea, like I said, was, that properties were appreciating so fast. I mean, one to 2% a month was not abnormal for that time period. And that would cover any negatively amortized interest that apply, that increased the balance, All right? You get it. What I'm saying, right? So a negam loan like this, it could be very useful for short term financing. Like if your plans were to fix and flip the property, or if you purchase the property at a deep discount, and wanted extra cash flow by way of a lower payment. Or if you are anticipating appreciation, whether you are going to be anticipating that to come naturally like they were in 2005, 2006, but we know that doesn't happen forever. Or if you're going to force the appreciation. So if you're going to add square footage or change the property's use or divide it up, whatever it may be, it might make sense to use a negative amortized loan just to make the the payments lower and it be a much more manageable situation for you on a monthly cash flow basis. All righty. So now you know three creative ways to use the word amortization when putting together a seller finance deal. All right, so that was a lot. We got five creative ways to do the payments. We got three creative ways to, to use the word amortization and we'll do more next week. But right now, let's get into the news. Right after this. When you go to work for your money,
1: does it return the favor? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries
0: cashflowsavvy.com. In the news, violence, crime and homicide continues to soar across the nation. The right blames on the defund the police movement and the left blames it on easing the lockdown restrictions too soon. So these are two parties obviously living on two entirely different planets and both parties think the other is completely insane. (laughs) <laughs> and it looks like neither side is ready to budge on their opinions. And and sadly, I think this is the new normal until people just start chilling out a bit and and try on the other side's shoes and, and take them for a stroll around the block. Until then, I think we might be getting, trying to, or need to get used to this. But I just discovered a new podcast that I totally love. And this is not a commercial for them. I've never met them. I have no idea uh, who they are. They have no idea I'm even talking about them. But it's hosted by a conservative and a liberal, uh, both a male and a female, but both seem to have rational functioning brains, which seems pretty rare these days if you're paying attention to any media. And it just feels like the right type of news that will cause us to hate each other less and direct our rage in a more productive direction at the media and our elected officials And they have us at each other's throats, really, while they sit in the stands and watch, don't they? So the podcast title is Breaking Points. And that's essentially the theme of their whole podcast. So if you'd like a refreshing look at the daily news uh, that's represented by two intelligent takes on each side, and you want to listen to the news and walk away without... uh, without hating your neighbor. (laughs) Go ahead and check it out. Breaking Points. Wherever you listen to your podcast, I'm sure you can find it there. Ready? Juneteenth is our newest federal holiday. It will be an annual celebration commemorating the day when the last enslaved African-Americans were informed that they were free. At a time when Republicans and Democrats agree on virtually nothing, they did come together last week to vote overwhelmingly in favor of making Juneteenth a federal holiday. Unfortunately, I don't know if there was going to be something unfortunate about this. It's that President Biden's going to get all of the credit for this, and it will surely be used as a political weapon at some point. But don't forget, in September of 2020, unfortunately, during a global pandemic, so no one really noticed or they quickly forgot that President Trump unveiled his platinum plan for Black America that included a proposal to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. The point here is everybody wanted this, and it should be celebrated for that not who had the opportune time to make it happen. You know, and regardless of where you stand on this, it was a long time coming. And, and regardless of how symbolic only it may feel to many in the country, it does feel like progress in an environment where progress is rarely recognized. Speaking of which, last week, uh, talk show host Bill Maher addressed this very issue about progress. You know, Maher mentioned that the, the far left has progressophobia, This is a term coined by Canadian psychologist, Steven Pinker, as a brain disorder that strikes liberals and makes them incapable of recognizing progress. If you think America is more racist now than ever, more sexist than before women could vote and more homophobic than when blowjobs were a felony, you have progressophobia and should adjust your mask because it's covering your eyes. This is what Bill said. Those were his words. And the chant from gay protesters used to be, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Well, we did. This is Pride Month and it's not even a big deal anymore. You know, 30 days of parades and festivals celebrating a cause that was once so divisive, Ellen had to pretend to be straight. And in light of Pride Month, which is recognized by nearly every major business in America, Mar then acknowledged the major stride that gay marriage is now legal nationwide and how even half of Republicans now support it. And any celebrity coming out of the closet are met with thunderous applause. And it's not just LGBT issues. You know, not that long ago, I knew people who went to prison for growing pot. And today, you can legally smoke it for fun in 43% of the country, Marr continued. Even something like bullying. It still happens, but being outwardly cruel to people who are different is no longer acceptable. That's progress. And acknowledging progress isn't saying we're done or we don't need more. And being gloomier doesn't make you a better person. Mar then referenced the Friends reunion special and how it looked weird because if you even suggested a show today about six people, all of whom were straight and white. The network would laugh you out of the room and then cancel you on Twitter. And yet there's a recurrent theme on the far left that things have never been worse. You know, Kevin Hart expressed a view many hold when he told the New York Times, you're witnessing white power and white privilege at an all-time high, Mara said. This is one of the big problems with wokeness, he continued, that, What you say doesn't have to make sense or jive with the facts or even be challenged lest the challenge be conflated with racism. But saying that white power and privilege is at an all-time high is just ridiculous. Higher than a century ago, the year of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Higher than the years when the KKK rode unchecked and Jim Crow went unchallenged. Higher than the 1960s when the Supremes And Willie Mays still couldn't stay at the same hotel as the white people they were working with? Higher than during slavery? The real-time host did acknowledge that racism is still with us, but also stressed that racism is simply no longer everywhere. Giving the example of Minneapolis police choosing not to stand with Derek Chauvin. And that never used to happen. Here's the thing, kids. There actually was a world before you got here. Marr said to younger generations, we date human events AD and BC, but we need a new marker for millennials and Gen Z BY before you. There are a hell of a lot of Americans trying really hard these days to embrace a new spirit of inclusion and self-reflection. And this progressive allergy to acknowledging societal advances is self-defeating because progress and hope that we can achieve it is the product we're selling, and having a warped view of reality leads to policies that are warped. Mara ranted on. It's not a sin, and it's certainly not inaccurate to say we've come a long way, baby. Not mission accomplished, just a long way. So I, I shared this transcript with you because, in the news today, you know, as I thought, you know, last year the media was was misleading us about COVID nineteen. And seemingly by the day, more and more facts are coming out. Um, the players behind the scenes, the puppet masters are being exposed. And, you know, but, you know, long ago, I went on to just share the studies about the advantages of just str- simple things like strengthening your immune system and taking ample amounts of zinc and vitamin D and how those two things, the studies revealed had a bigger impact on COVID-19 survival than even their age and underlying conditions of those that were infected with the virus. Turns out that hydroxychloroquine is actually very effective in treating COVID in its early stages. And studies have since shown and have been public information for a while that remdesivir can almost be categorized as a miracle drug in treating COVID. But since Trump said it, it had to be false. So false that it kept his old fat ass from succumbing to the virus and actually kicked the virus's ass in less than a week. So I guess that new podcast breaking point has me all fired up, (laughs) but rightfully so. And at the right source, fired up at the right source, the media and our elected officials, not each other. You know, and and our social issues in the country and, and we're not without issues is another of their narratives that they're trying to control, just like they did with COVID. And they've been, these are kind of going hand-in-hand, hand, running parallel the, the last year or so. But when one of their own, Bill Maher, as liberal as they come, starts coming out saying, enough is enough. I just, I hope this is the beginning of a turning point in mending the vitriol, both the right and the left have for each other. Don't fall for the okey-doke. We're not as bad as they want us to believe. And we all agree on a lot more than what we disagree on. We may have a long way to go, but we've come a long way. And, you know, I've got this platform, however big it may be. Um, and it's about real estate investing. And, uh, but this all impacts our lives on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, just as I wanted to share another perspective on covid um, I just wanted to share this from Bill Marks. I thought it was really, really important. And I'm not sure if uh, mainstream media even aired it because it really called them out and it called them out legitimately and fairly. And, uh, you know, with intelligence backed behind it. Don't agree with everything Bill Maher says, but uh, he's got logic. You know, I, I don't mind a liberal perspective Uh, with when people are intelligent with their take and not just resort to name calling and and finger pointing it and, you know, denying all responsibility for anything. Um, We're all in this together and we all have our part in it and we've all contributed to the situation that we're in, but now we can uh, make those changes. And I just wanted to share that because I thought it was really important. Alrighty. So in the news, MLB's new rules on pitchers applying sticky stuff to baseballs began last week and uh, resulted in (laughs) many baseball players being called out and dropping their drawers right on the field to prove that they did not have any of the sticky stuff that they were lacing the baseballs with. Uh, American Airlines is cutting 1% of its July flights as it figures out how to rapidly scale up and meet rising passenger demand. And John Ram won his first golf major in a thrilling U.S. Open this last weekend. And I don't know if you noticed or, or follow golf at all, but just the week before, the weekend before, maybe it was two weeks before, uh, he had a six-stroke lead going into the, uh he was midway through the final round, and he was just about to win. He was just a half a dozen holes away, and his COVID test came up positive, and he was forced to... uh Quit. There's a more intelligent word for that or a word I was looking for. But, um, yeah, he had, he had to quit and he only, he was six strokes ahead and he was halfway through the round and he had to surrender because of that, a $1.6 million prize. That was really tragic and sad, but, uh, he made up for it this last weekend. So good for him. The number of Costco memberships is now higher than the number of U.S. households that pay for cable TV. The renewal rate was 91% last year when Costco's stock jumped 33%. Carl Nassib, a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, became the first active NFL player to announce that he is gay. Facebook rolled out its live audio product and a podcast tool. I have to check that out. I did not know this. ExxonMobil plans to cut its U.S. workforce between 5% to 10% annually over the next three to five years. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams opened a wide lead in the New York City Democratic mayoral primary, and Andrew Yang bowed out of the race. 5.2 million people around the globe became dollar millionaires last year despite the pandemic, according to a new report from Credit Suisse. 90% of millionaires currently have a net worth of $5 million or less, while... 0.4% are worth $50 million or more. Game stock jumped after the company raised more than $1 billion in a share sale. McDonald's will introduce its first ever loyalty program nationwide on July 8th. Nursing home deaths among Medicare patients rose 32% last year, according to a new government report. Connecticut became the 19th state to legalize recreational marijuana. And Subway's tuna sandwiches contain no tuna fish DNA the latest lab test report has revealed. And now that President Trump has announced he's going to visit the border to view the crisis taking place, Vice President Kamala Harris, after more than 90 days of being appointed, the job border czar has called all hands on deck for an emergency visit to the border to make sure she shows up before Trump because that would not look good if he did. Nothing like Trump derangement syndrome to fire people up into action. You know, for as much work, time, expense, and energy as Democrats put into place to get Trump out of office, they are doing just about as much to get him reelected. And I'm actually hoping that that doesn't happen. I do hope a a more conservative president comes into play because that's the way I lean fiscally, but I lean left socially. I think Trump is too much of a distraction and he is a, a divisive figure and I really don't want to go through four more years of that. I would like to get this country back on the right track and and get a, a good economy and get our social issues under control and uh, just a rational mind and a little bit more middle of the road person into the office. So if you think I'm a big giant Trump fanboy, I am not. He made me cringe on a daily basis. And I was like, oh God, why'd you say that? But just because he was who he was doesn't mean everything that came out of his mouth was bad and everything that he did was bad. He actually did a lot of good things. And we're seeing the effects of all of those policies being removed via executive order by President Biden. We're seeing the the crime. We're seeing the border issue. We're seeing the economy issues. And uh, so there were some good things there. And I would like to see those things or, uh, or even if it's a compromise, some of those things put more back in place. So that's why I cover it. And I try to do this all without opinion, but sometimes I just can't help myself. So forgive me. If you don't agree with me, that's perfectly okay. If uh, uh, I find that you don't agree with me, that doesn't make me feel any different about you. And that's the way we should treat each other, Uh, celebrate and share our differences of opinions and discuss them and uh, not kill each other over them. How about that? All right. So now for this week in crypto. This Week in Crypto is sponsored by MyFirstCryptoCourse.com. It's the beginner's guide to investing in crypto assets that will show you how you could safely 10 to 20 times your money this year with Bitcoin, even if you're brand new to crypto. So for a limited time, Mike Dillard will give you three of the top crypto assets he's invested in this year. So go to MyFirstCryptoCourse.com. It's a very easy to follow, inexpensive course that will give you everything you need to know to get started. And when you enroll in Mike's course, email the receipt to me at matt at epicrealestate.com and I'll personally reply with the recording of the free web class that I just did for a private group of investors and how I'm incorporating cryptocurrency with my real estate to three times my ROI. And I'll give you all of the services that I'm using, all of the resources, all of the links. I'll give you everything that I'm using to make it happen. Uh, and you can get started at myfirstcryptocourse.com. com. big news of the week. Bitcoin mining gets the shaft in China. Chinese Bitcoin mines are closing as quickly as blockbusters in the 2000s. On Friday, local authorities in Sichuan province halted operations at the 26 largest local mines. Taken together with similar moves in other mining hubs, more than 90% of China's Bitcoin mining capacity is now at least temporarily offline, according to the state-run Global Times. So why the crackdown? Well, as Elon Musk has realized Bitcoin mining, the process of creating new digital tokens and maintaining the blockchain ledger, requires vast amounts of energy. And authorities are concerned about the environmental impacts of mining and the strain it puts on electrical grids. Why does this matter? Well, the restrictions mean Bitcoin mining could shift out of China, which handled 75% of the world's mining capacity before the increased scrutiny and arrive in America. Miners are continuing to open up facilities in states like Texas and South Dakota and in Kentucky you'll even get a tax break if you spend at least 1 million dollars on new mining equipment i believe the mayor of miami extended a very similar invitation to bitcoin miners the bottom line china's mining crackdown is widely seen as responsible for dampening bitcoin prices which are now 44% below their all-time high and this news was out a couple of days ago and as of right now it is uh it dropped all the way down to a 29,000ish and now it's back up to 34000 ish It tries to drop, it tries to drop, and it just won't go. Here, right now, price alert. Bitcoin is up 5.43% in the last two hours at 35199 Everyone's trying to beat it down, but it just keeps coming back. Uh, investing in only Bitcoin is like buying only Yahoo in the 90s, says Pantera CEO. Bitcoin ETFs begin trading in Brazil and Dubai stock. The Bank of Israel announced plans to use Ethereum for emitting a digital version of its currency, the Shekel. Sotheby's to accept crypto payments for rare diamond auction. Russell Simmons to launch masterminds of hip hop NFT collection. And Goldman Sachs has joined the blockchain based network created by JP Morgan for repurchase agreements that use smart contracts and a digitized version of the U S dollar and digital asset bank. Wyoming deposit and transfer has been awarded a bank charter by the Wyoming division of banking, which allows it to provide commercial banking and custodial services for tokenized assets and digital currencies. And this just in, as I'm recording this, lots of news popping up on my screen here as I'm recording this episode today, Canada could be the next El Salvador in adopting Bitcoin as legal tender details on that sure to come. More and more mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies. And that's this week in crypto. And that's the show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. That's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings and success to you. I'm Matt Dario, living the dream.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow You didn't know, boy, we got the cash flow